I decided to step away from my career in higher education and transition to the corporate world. And in my about 10 years of my higher ed experience was actually as a manager. So I hired a lot of people. This is Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Haley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we've known each other for a couple of years now on LinkedIn, and I'm actually shocked that I never actually asked you to come on my podcast, so I needed well, some hey. content and <laughs> decided to reach out to you at that time. Yeah, better late than never, and two years on LinkedIn is like a lifetime, so it's good to be connected to you. Absolutely, and this is actually our first conversation in person. We've like commented on each other's posts or DM each other, but we never actually had a proper conversation, and what a good way to start having our first conversation by making a podcast recording. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. So the reason why I wanted you to come on my podcast is you're a career coach like myself, and you help people transition into a different field. Your specialty is helping educators, whether it's higher ed or teachers in like the public school system, as an example, transition into corporate. Before we dive into that topic, why don't you tell us more about your experience and expertise in this field and what made you decide to focus on this niche and help these people get into corporate? Yeah, thank you. Well, my background is education. So for 15 years, I worked in higher education in particular as an administrator and as a professor. And I taught mostly education majors, so teacher candidates. And I have a special place in my heart for teachers and educators. But about three years ago, I decided to step away from my career in higher education and transition to the corporate world. And in my about 10 years of my higher ed experience was actually as a manager. So I hired a lot of people, promoted a lot of people, had to let people go as well. But I learned a lot from that experience and I found that I really enjoyed helping to mentor the next generation of education leaders. And so when I made that transition into the corporate world, into corporate finance, which is a totally different environment, I missed that connection and that supportive mentor role that I had played. So I decided to continue that in a career coach role. So now I help educators across the US, across the globe, really, to make their own transitions. And I leverage the experience that I had to help others. So what are the common reasons why an educator wants to transition out of education and into corporate? Sure. Well, in the past couple of years, you can definitely attribute a lot of that to the pandemic. A load of extra work was added to educators' plates and transitioning to at-home learning or virtual learning. And you know, people have this misconception that teaching in particular is from the hours of eight to three or eight to four, whatever it is, and then they have summers off. And the reality couldn't be further from the truth that educators work year round, they work very long days. So, you know, they're burnt out from the work, stressed out. The pay, depending on where you're at, is not always related to the level of experience or the time that you invest into the career. So those are the top reasons that I find people are looking to make a change. 
you make a good point about like teachers just work like eight to three or nine to four and then they get summers off or weekends off but there's obviously other things behind the scenes for example like creating the uh, curriculum for the year right or the semester another example is they still have to like create the test or mark the tests and then uh, in the terms of summer what do they do during summer is it more like improving their skill set for the next year Yes. I mean, some teachers teach summer school, some are doing athletic programs, and others are just recovering from the year and then gearing up for another year. It's a really short turnaround time. And so if you're planning the upcoming year, you've got to start that pretty quick thereafter. So there's not a lot of rest or relaxation at all. Out of curiosity, in terms of like teaching various grades, whether it's like public school, kindergarten to like grade 12, and then university, or college, what is the different skill set that an educator would need from like public school to university college? Yeah, I think, you know, we're seeing similar skill sets needed across various levels, but I think the ability to deal with the emotional maturity in younger students is difficult. I mean, you've got kindergartners who are five, six, seven years old, and they're coming to that environment sometimes for the first time. And so they're having to learn manners and rules and order. And so there's a lot of development in those early years in primary education that teachers are really working on social skills, emotional behavioral skills at the same time that standards are being set for curriculum and learning and outcomes. And so those teachers really have a lot on their plate to to manage with students. Now, I taught mostly college students, but I could say there's still a level of the emotional support that you have to provide because sometimes these students, it's the first time they're away from home, living on their own, navigating working and studying. And so it's just a different level and a different type of support that you would provide to college students. So I think regardless of where you're teaching on the spectrum, that emotional support, I think, has become even more important. And it's not something that teachers are necessarily taught, certainly not at the university level, but definitely more in the earlier grades. It's a big part of what you do every day. So you're talking about career transitions, right, in terms of transferable skills. If someone was in high school and they wanted to start teaching university, what are some transferable skills that they would have to bring forth into university and what would they have to learn on the job? So you're asking if they want to teach at university? Yeah, they want, if, they, if they teach in high school and they want to teach in university. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, if you're looking to make that transition, certainly you have to be a subject matter expert. And that's probably the biggest qualification for the job. I mean, you need to be an expert in your field and you need to do an excellent job in designing a curriculum, knowing what your learning outcomes are. I think at the high school level, there's a lot more prescribed learning. You have state or provincial standards that you have to follow, and there's kind of a guideline. You learn from other teachers. In university, it's a little different. Professors get to select their own textbooks. They get to make their own syllabus. So they really get to define their own way of learning with the expectations that students will meet certain learning outcomes at the end. So it's a little more independently driven. So what I would tell someone who's teaching in high school to make that transition is to be imaginative, explore, push the boundaries a little bit on what you can do and how you can teach your curriculum, because using those success stories is really going to help you stand out if you apply to teach at the college level. So going back to our main point of discussion, so let's say the person that's listening doesn't want to teach a different grade or a different level. 
such a university, they actually do want to go into corporate. So you've, at the beginning of the discussion, highlighted why people want to leave education into corporate. But what are some obstacles or roadblocks that they believe they have when it comes to making that jump? Yeah, I think the biggest one that I see is people think, all I've ever done is teaching and that's all I know. Without breaking that down into what are some of the great skill sets that you have, people management, time management, you know, the curriculum development, the public speaking, the presentation, the critical thinking, I mean, project management, all of those are aspects of teaching that you can apply in a corporate role. But I think teachers sometimes struggle to communicate or tell their story and how they can do these different roles. The other piece that I see also is not knowing what opportunities are out there. If you've been in education for a long time, it's really hard to know what a corporation offers. And I think that's another roadblock that I help people cross is to think of all the things you're good at and then identify the roles that might fit that skill set. Speaking of skills that you're good at and what roles that they'd be good at, what are some common roles that teachers slash educators should focus on when it comes to moving into corporate? I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity, but the most common roles that I see our teachers transition into are either customer service, customer support, customer success. Another area is project management. I would also say that instructional design or learning and design is another area human resources, training and development, all very much have a very similar skill set to what the teaching profession does. This brings me to another point in terms of like trying to transition. If you're working a corporate job, you can leave anytime, you can give two weeks notice. But in terms of a teacher, it's from September to June or July. You can't just quit mid-year, I'm assuming, right? So how does that work in terms of transitioning? Do they have to take a year off and then apply? Or how is the logistics of that? Yeah, I think it's a little more difficult to transition in the middle of the school year. It certainly has been done and can be done, but I see most teachers waiting until the end of either the fall semester or first semester or the spring semester. And I I encourage teachers to start that planning early. If in September you're teaching and you decide you want to transition out of the classroom, that's the time to start working on it. It may take a few months for you to get everything together, to identify those roles and apply for those roles, or you may have a longer term where you're identifying the end of the school year as a time to transition. And so the only thing that I would say is that try to take some time out to plan for that in advance. You'll be less stressed out and there'll be more opportunity for you to find the role that you're really interested in. Career transitions, as you know, don't happen overnight. So what's the timeline that you recommend educators to plan for so they don't get disappointed too soon? Yeah. So right now, in the U.S. at least, the Department of Labor suggests that a job seeker will take five months to find a new job. And so that is on average. And so what I tell teachers is I think six months is a great time frame. Now, that may sound very long, but I'm talking about starting off from the very beginning. You're creating a resume that works for the corporate world. You're creating your cover letter. You're making sure your LinkedIn profile is up to date. You've got those foundational pieces Then you start doing your research on what jobs you're interested in or what companies you're interested in. And then you start applying. And then you've got the interview process and then the offer. So I don't think it's unreasonable. I know some teachers are wanting to transition sooner. And that's certainly possible. It's about how much time you can really devote to that process. 
So speaking of resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile. So we're both career coaches. We understand that these are the fundamental documents of any job search. So how does an educator craft a resume that speaks that corporate lingo that connects the dots? Because again, yeah. like if you're a teacher, the main things is that like you teach a class of 30, 40 people. These are the grades that you teach. These are the subjects I teach. But what else can you, like how do you translate that into a corporate resume that connects with the recruiters in your target companies? Definitely. Yep. Great, great question. One of the things I ask to, for my clients to do is to look at job descriptions that they're interested in. Maybe they want to be into customer success. Maybe they're looking in instructional design. Take a job description like that see what language is there, see what is transferable in the experience that you have, and then craft your bullet points, your story, your experience using the language you see in the job description. There's some great sources out there, other sources that I refer people to as well, and you can use AI to help you, but you need to be part of the process. That's the one thing I tell clients. You can't just ask a robot to do something for you because it's not going to represent your experience well. You have to be part of whatever process. If you hire someone to help you, if you use AI, but be part of that and make sure it's representing your story when you're putting together your materials. In your opinion, how has AI disrupted the career coaching job search space for your business and for like teachers trying to transition into corporate? Yeah, it's been tremendous, both in good ways and bad ways. Good ways It has helped people provide a foundation and a path to help them create career materials that they could use. The challenge I see is not using it in a way that's really going to advantage you. You need to know how to write your prompts properly. You need to put in that personal element that that a computer just can't figure out for you. And so... I mean, if you're struggling in the job search and you need a little help, that's a great source to go, but don't rely it. Rely on its own. Yeah, I've heard stories how people would just take a job description and say, chat GPT, turn these into bullet points for my resume and just shove it in there and then apply it with it, right? And I, I did see a LinkedIn post from this resume writer or this recruiter, and they know when it's just an AI-created resume because yep. they all look the same. So Exactly. I, that's, I, the, I, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem is everything is going to start looking the same unless you do that element of personalization. So you have to work with it. Let's talk about quantifiable metrics. So how would you quantify your metrics as a teacher? For example, pass rate. For example, my class mm-hmm. passed with 95%. Is it... Yep. Another thing could be maybe you teach like, extracurriculars in terms of like high school football, yeah. you show the win-loss record that you're able to help improve year over year. So what are some qualified yeah. metrics that will help you stand out in the job search? Yeah, those are some great examples. I think the diversity of the subjects that you're teaching, of the class that you're teaching, of um, how you've been able to improve or implement a change and what the outcomes were. I like to rely on the Google XYZ formula, which says that you've done this task and you've created this accomplishment, which has led to this, whatever result it is. So that three part phase, it's great to say, I've done this, but then what is the outcome of what you've done? You know, what has that done in the school district, for example? And I tried to get people to put as many quantifiable results into their resume as possible, because it really helps strengthen your story. You can say, I taught this subject, that sounds great. But if you talk about the different components of reading comprehension and that you've increased scores this much and your district won an award, I mean, wow, that stands out a lot more than just saying you did this one thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. So saying you teach a class is one thing, but saying that you've improved the class average for that subject year over year from the person yeah. prior teaching it, that's yeah. a good accomplishment to showcase. Absolutely. So in terms of the resume, we got that down in terms of like how to highlight those transferable skills and what achievements, quantifiable achievements that you can highlight. How about the cover letter? Like For me, when I tell people that are trying to transition into a different space, you explain why you're looking to make that move. For your career coaching practice, Lee, do you do the same thing in terms of telling the teacher, your clients, why you're looking to move from teaching into corporate? Or how do you formulate the cover letter for your clients there? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, that's the first part of the story that you write. I think a lot of people that are in corporate will look at someone who has 10, 15, 20 years in the classroom and say, you know, why this, why now? And so, I mean, you don't need to go into real detailed specifics, but you can tell your story in a way that will help you stand out. And then I think it's important to address what transferable skills you bring to that role and then highlight some of your key accomplishments. That's kind of the formula that I have. It's a, and then a closing paragraph. So it's about four paragraphs long. One mistake that I see from a lot of people is trying to cram in every single accomplishment they've had in their career on a cover letter. And that's what your resume is for. I mean, keep it simple, keep it straight, make it easy to read. And you've got a winning formula. And then to touch upon LinkedIn real quickly, as you know, recruiters search profiles through like, keywords, but you haven't had those corporate roles yet. So your main keyword there is a teacher or educator. So how do you optimize your profile for your target role so you get recruiters reaching out to you based off your optimized LinkedIn profile for that target yeah. position you're looking to get? My advice is, again, to go back to the job description for the roles you're interested in and try to craft either your experience statement or your about statement using some of those keywords. Because again, if it's pulling from keywords and you've got those there, if you're a teacher, project management, totally. You can talk about your project management experience that you've had without you know, having to be certified by the Project Management Institute, for example. So just getting in ways that you can say, yes, I have these skills that corporate career people also have. And I have found even in my organization that there's a lot of educators in some of the key roles in learning and design, in talent management, in product management. So there is a place for teachers everywhere. It's just selling yourself and gaining that experience to get you there. For you, when you help educators transition to corporate, is networking a huge thing in your coaching curriculum? Or if the yeah. educator is more comfortable applying online, you're able to steer them towards that direction? I always encourage them to do as much networking as they're comfortable with. Sometimes I push people to get out of their comfort zone, but I think it comes to a combination of both. Of You can still get a job by applying into the black hole of job applications and submitting that works for some people. Other people, like myself included, my last three roles were through referrals. And so I think that there's a place on that continuum for wherever you're comfortable. But I always encourage people to try the networking aspect, if nothing else, to learn about the role you're interested in. And you don't have to make a big ask of people. It's just learning more. So we've given some tips in terms of the resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile. From your experience, I'm assuming these educators that reach out to you have tried the job search on their own for a little bit, and then they reached out to you for additional assistance. What are some common mistakes that you have that you've learned from talking to these teachers. So the people who are listening right now who are in the education space don't make the same mistakes and speed up their job search a bit. 
Yeah, the first one probably is using your teaching resume, especially if you're transitioning into the business world. You know, I've had clients who've had five plus pages of resumes, and I don't think there's a specific formula, but if you can get it to two, that's awesome. And so I work with a lot of educators who use that same education focused resume, which could be improved significantly for certainly for the corporate world. I think another perhaps stumbling block is just applying to everything and anything. I really encourage people to niche down, to target your roles, because then you'll have targeted materials and you won't have to rewrite a resume and cover letter as significantly as you would for any role that's out there. And I think that's kind of when desperation sets in and you just want out. What I tell people is figure out what you want to work towards. It's a much better way to focus your efforts. And so those two things probably are the biggest challenges I see that teachers are having in the job search. And now let's move on to the interview phase of the job mm. search. So I'm assuming some teachers that you work with have imposter syndrome because these recruiters, hiring managers will start asking very technical questions about their like feel about this project management or customer success. So they might feel intimidated by these types of questions. So what is your advice and strategies when you work with these teachers to make yeah. them more confident in their skills and abilities? Yeah, definitely. Well, I always start with going through the basic questions. Why are you interested in this role? What skills and experience do you bring to this position? What are your strengths and weaknesses? The standard questions that you typically will face. Now, you're not always going to be, there's going to be a lot of behavioral questions as well. How would you react to a situation like this? Or how would you handle that situation? But then one trick that I like to use is, again, take that job description and read through it and go line by line and challenge yourself to think of a story from your experience that you have that can address that particular experience. So when they say, have you used Articulate 360? That's something that instructional designers, learning specialists use. It was a question that I was asked and I did not use that. However, I had multiple other learning management systems that I had used and I quickly explained I've used these and I'm a fast learner, so I know I can get up to speed on this other tool. So don't let it psych you out. You, There's no one who's going to be a perfect candidate. So, you know, don't feel like you have to have all the right answers for all the questions, but definitely be honest and explain how you could meet their needs if you needed to. In terms of intimidation from other candidates, so if these job ads say they need a project manager with five plus years of experience and you have zero experience because you're a teacher, at least a traditional experience. And again, it goes back to the imposter syndrome and feeling intimidated by these yeah. other qualified candidates. So what's your advice when you work with clients or who's ever yeah. listening, who's a teacher that's trying to move into the corporate world? Yeah, I say you have experience. It's just the way your experience has been written or described. And you can craft that story in a way that makes you stand out among these other candidates who may be well qualified. You're going to have to do your homework. You're going to have to work on your story, but you shouldn't disqualify yourself from something where you do have similar type experience. You just never know what that hiring committee may pick up on or may really want in the end. So in terms of what questions to ask at the end of their interview, what do you usually recommend for teachers who are interviewing for certain positions and to ensure that they're asking the right questions to help them stand out, but also ask the right questions to ensure that this is the right role for them as they get into corporate for the first time? Yeah, that's a great question. 
first, make sure you have questions prepared. I always like to see a candidate that has thoughtful questions prepared. One of the questions I like candidates to ask is, how will success be measured for this role? Because I think sometimes, a lot of the times, for example, you don't see that in a job description. So you don't know getting into a role, what is going to be that metric that you're going to be responsible for meeting? And so it really sets you up well and shows that you're forward thinking when you're asking already, all right, if I've got the job, what do I need to focus on when I move into the role? What's going to be most important to that hiring manager? I also think questions about company culture are important. I don't think you always get the exact answer from the interview stage, but it is good to ask people for their opinion on what does the company value? What are the main goals of the company moving forward? So those few questions are really going to show you've put some thought into really being part of the team moving forward. Going back to what you said about like, when's a good time to transition because like you wouldn't do it during the school year or you said people would finish the semester and then start looking. So one of the questions that recruiters ask is like, how early can you start? And there might be some, you might not be able to start away because you might be teaching class or finishing out a semester. So what's your advice there? Because some companies, mm. do, they do want you as in as soon as possible. Yeah, that's a great question. Again, check out what your contract obligates you to. You want to be sure of that, first of all. And you definitely want to be thoughtful about this. But I have seen ways that teachers have been able to negotiate maybe even a phase start to their role, that they start taking on some projects, some learning ahead of the time before they commit full-time when they can in the summer. And I think you need to know that going into the job interview or the, the discussion with the hiring manager about what you can do moving forward. That's a really good question. So we talked about the job search foundational components, the resume, cover letter, and LinkedIn profile. We've gone through the interview process a little bit. So let's say that they do get the job, they're able to successfully transition from education in the corporate now it's the first time they're in a corporate environment. So what's something that's shocking for educators as they get into the corporate environment for the first time that you want to let people know that are listening that are teachers that they should be prepared for when they start working in a corporate environment? Oh, yeah, you're definitely hitting the nail on the head there with a bit of culture shock. And I certainly went through that when I made my transition. Yeah, that was the word I, I think- was looking for. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think a big thing for me was the terminology, first of all. I mean, I went from higher ed to corporate finance and into essentially banking and financial services. And there's a whole new world of terminology that I had to use. And people were using acronyms. And I spent a lot of time just figuring out what people were talking about. The technology was also very different. And that took me a while to learn and understand how to use the technology. Some of that, I just took it upon myself after the workday to play with it, to try to figure it out and encourage teachers. I mean, they're not unaccustomed to working in the evenings and things. So just take a little time just so that you feel confident in using that. Another thing, I think it's always challenging, especially if you've got a bit of that imposter syndrome going on, is to ask for help. And so I really had to force myself to step up and ask for help. Luckily, at my organization, I was assigned a mentor for the whole first year, and we met weekly. And so I just kept a really long list of things to ask them from every single thing you can imagine. 
One shock to the system, I'll definitely say, are the holidays. So if you're an educator, you know, you've got your Christmas break and you're still working. I'm not saying you're not working, but there's a lot more holidays where you don't have to physically be at work, where you don't have in corporate. And so that was a bit of an adjustment to me to, you know, not have as many holidays, but compensated maybe with a little more time off there. So it is just a different culture and you just have to get used to it. And I think there's advantages and disadvantages one way or the other, but I'm pretty happy that I had both experiences and now that I get the corporate opportunity. So from your experience, Lee, what are some pros and cons between like corporate and education role? Yeah, yeah. I think about this a lot, actually, and people ask me quite a bit. Education is highly collaborative. And so you have a lot of people who are doing very similar work in very similar roles, all working towards similar goals. And I'm not going to say that you don't have that in corporate, but you have a lot of people focusing on their thing that all together works towards a singular goal. The corporate setting sometimes is much more sophisticated than education. So I work with financial systems engineers and product owners and project managers, where in education, we had administrators, we had teachers, and that's kind of it. You're one or the other. And so just learning the roles and who's responsible for what is a little bit different. I think that another change is financial. And let's be honest about that one. Sometimes teachers aren't the best paid, and you're paid on what degree you have and how many years of experience you have. In my organization, we have people with no college degrees. We have three out of 2,000 people, including myself, who have doctorates. It doesn't, your pay does not get determined on what type of education you have, very different than than, uh, education. So that was something to be aware of as well. And gosh, the one advantage I think that corporate has is you have a lot more mobility, career mobility. And I've talked to teachers who have said this to me is they've been teaching for a long time and they don't see there's ever going to be an opportunity for them to be a principal of a school, for example. And maybe they're a little self-limiting in their beliefs, but the reality is there's one principal of every school. And so if you've got 50 teachers, you know, you got a one out of 50 chance to be that principal. If you're in the corporate realm, and you want to be an instructional designer, we have 10 of them. So, you know, you've got a much better chance in getting one of those roles than you do maybe in being a principal. So I think there's just more opportunity to move around and do something different than there would be in the education realm. Have you ever worked with someone or know someone that tried Cobra and actually decided they want to go back to teaching? And what was their reasons for that? Yes, I do, actually. So I think it really depends on the corporation that you end up at. And this individual coming out of the pandemic was burnt out, stressed out, underpaid, and wanted to try something different and got into a corporate role that also made them work a lot, that stressed them out a lot, maybe that paid more but didn't balance the burnout and the stress out that they had. And so they were willing to take the pay cut and to go back into something where they could better manage their role this time around. And I think when you leave a role, you have much more clarity on what it was that stressed you out than when you're in the moment. And so that teacher was able to say, all right, this is why education was so difficult for me. What can I do differently? 
to make it a better situation going back to things. And they did that. So I think it happens less frequently than the other way, but it does happen. So in terms of 2023 right now, there's a lot of uncertainty with like the economy, a lot of layoffs, as you're aware. Do you think it's a good time for a teacher to want to make the jump? Or do you think that they should wait a bit until to see how this year plays out? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of the layoffs are coming from a lot of the larger technology companies. And I think there are some there are there's some industries that are certainly growing. There's a dire need of people to work in healthcare. And I'm not just talking about doctors and nurses. I'm ha- talking about people that support healthcare in insurance and in a variety of different industries. So I think if you are willing to consider opportunities in a variety of different industries other than just tech and other than just your Facebook, Apple, Google, Netflix, then you definitely have uh, an opportunity to find something. Certainly competition is tough out there, but if you do a great job of selling yourself and your skills and you've got a network that you can rely on to support you, you'll have a really good chance. And the one thing I'd also say is look local, look around you. I know a lot of people really want those remote roles and I think they're great. There's a lot of competition and you might be out missing something that's in your backyard. That's just an awesome opportunity. You made a good point in terms of like career transitions. Again, you can highlight the transferable skills as best you can. But if you're going for the most competitive jobs, whether it's tech or remote, you are going to have a harder time because the talent is just much more fierce compared to, like you said, going local or going to a smaller company that doesn't have as much demand. Uh, At that point, it makes you transition into the corporate role much easier. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So again, Lee, I appreciate you taking the time to come on my podcast to discuss how you and how you've helped clients who are in the education space transition into corporate. So I'd like to end off my podcast with one last question I asked all my guests. So as you know, my podcast is about helping career professionals get to the next level by overcoming common challenges. So for you, in terms of your journey from the education space into corporate, what was one big challenge that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Oh, great. Great question. I think it was the self-limiting belief or external pressure that I had envisioned about leaving a career that I had built and been very successful in for 15 years. I think there was a lot of people who were shocked, including my own family and friends, who would believe that I would decide to leave the career that I had worked so hard to build. But the reality is I'm just building a different trajectory And so I tell people there are good things that can happen and you can do it at any time. I was 40 years old when I made my transition and that may be considered old in career times, but that's when I made my transition and it's great. It's allowed me to do so many things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do had I stayed where I was at. You make a good point about the ageism factor, about like if a teacher's season, let's say they're 40, 45, and they want to go into corporate, yeah. they might think that they've missed the boat. What's your advice on that? You're a perfect example how like, is that yeah. too late? But what is yeah. someone's thinking about that right now? Yeah, just flip your thinking into thinking of the value that you can bring from your experience. So I had led people, I had taught people, I had managed projects, and the role in the company that I was moving to was looking for someone that could just step in, step up and do the job. And so what's interesting is two people were hired when I was hired. They hired someone who was very new with a master's degree 
And then they hired me, who had a lot more experience. And, you know, I had my doctorate at the time. And so I think there is a place for everyone. It's just finding that right place. And there's going to be a lot of no's, but it only takes one yes. That's what you always hear. You might get a lot of no's, but you'll get that yes. Again, I appreciate the time, Lee. So what is one takeaway that you want people to take away from our conversation in terms of like wanting to start? If they say, you know what, I do want to make a move now, what is the first step that they should do? Okay, this is very timely because I was scrolling through LinkedIn before I was here. And maybe some of you have heard of Justin Welsh, but I like Justin's stuff. And he made a post today that the only failure in life is never getting started. And so if you keep that mindset and you think, just give it a try, you can change your careers so many times. And if something doesn't work out, you can go back. We have a dire need for good teachers right now. And so if you try a corporate role, it doesn't work. There's a, you can get a job back. There's a place for you. So you're, the only failure is never even trying in the first place. I appreciate the time again, Lee. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Yeah, definitely. You can find me on LinkedIn, Lee Nyes. You can check out my website, which is just my name, LeeNyes.com. And those are probably the two best places for you to go. It was great to finally talk to you, Lee, and enjoy the rest of your summer. Yeah, thanks for all that you do to help support our career transitioners. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Oh,